Thank you. Thank you. Does that make you want to like get up and go do something? Right? Like you could just I could just go take on the world right now. It would be a little bit more cool if he was saying it, but but we give this image of of these people who are absolutely terrified looking at this army that is way bigger, way better trained with actual armor. And this ragtag group is thinking, we can never face that. We can never go up against that. And this one man is able to call them to instill in them such a courage that they are willing to go and fight against so much greater odds. Thank you. Elementary school age children. <laughs> uh, would you please go with Charlie and Rick downstairs to the kids' area. So for those of you who may be just joining us this summer, uh, this sermon series is called Gifted, and it's called that because we're going through Romans 12, uh, and in that, Paul gives a list of gifts that different members and people in the church have. And so we've gone through gifts of uh, prophecy, teaching, service, uh, giving, and so today we're looking at the gift of exhortation. And that's kind of one of those uh, funny church words that I don't think people use in real life, but it's exactly what we just saw happening in this video. People being exhorted, being given, uh, instilled in them courage. And so I'm just going to pack this word a little bit. So if you would follow along with me, we're going to be in Romans 12, and we're going to start here in verse 8. So we've gone through a list of several gifts here, and then he says, Paul says, the one who exhorts, okay, so the one who has the gift of exhortation, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. So what does this word exhortation mean? Well, the word here is this word parakaleo, and as simply as possible, it means para just means alongside of or beside, and, and Kaleo means call, just like in English, right? So it means to call alongside or to come alongside and to, to call on. And so it's most often uh, can be translated as encourage. Right? We think of this as a gift of encouragement. Uh, but it could also mean, uh, it's also used to comfort, to admonish, to appeal or, or beseech. And uh, your Bible is translated in a number of different ways, but always there's this real sense of urgency, that, that something is about to happen. Something needs to happen. There's this real urgency with this word. And we see this actually in the beginning of Romans chapter 12. So if you turn back, uh, the beginning of the chapter, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. So this word appeal here is actually the exact same word. Right? He's, there's this urgency. He's like, I, I appeal to you that you would do this thing. Now, the way that this, this gift is often used in uh, concert with a lot of the other gifts, right? So when someone is up here preaching, they'll often be using a number of these different gifts. So you've got the teachers and, and prophets, which we've talked about. So prophets uh, take truth, and they're able to, to really speak it uh, into a specific, particular situation or into a particular person's life, right? So they start with the truth, and they bring it into that person's life. And then you've got the teacher who's able to, to take these big truths and make them accessible and easily understandable for everyone. So they're mostly concerned with the what, right? Like the what, what is the truth? But the, the exhortation is concerned with the so what, 
okay, uh, God loves me. Okay, Jesus, Jesus died for me because I'm a sinner, and, and okay, I'm, I'm feeling the weight of that, and he's given me grace. Now what? What do I, what do, I do with that? Right? What's next? And this is where the gift of exhortation comes into play. One of the ways we see this, so, so this gift of exhortation is really a call to action. And we see this here in Romans 12. There's a way that this is structured here. So there's this thing uh, in, in semantics, so that's basically the meaning of words, the meaning of, of uh, units of speech. Um, you have these different relationships between words and sentences and things like that. And there's one specific relationship we see a lot in Scripture called grounds exhortation. Okay, so this idea of exhortation. And what that means, the grounds is just the reason for the exhortation. So do this because of this, right? Or because of this thing is true, go do this. And Paul uses this kind of uh, argument all the time throughout Scripture. So if we look at beginning of Romans 12, which we were just at, so we've got 11 chapters of Romans, right? So Paul's writing this letter to the Romans. He's, he's never met them. He's, he's sending them his letters saying, here's, here's everything that I know about the gospel, about God. Like, he, here's, here's what I got. And he's got 11 chapters unpacking all of these truths. If you just look through your, your titles, your uh, paragraph titles, it's things like God's wrath, God's forgiveness, righteousness, judgment, the law, salvation, death, in life, sin in God, or sorry, sin in death, alive in God, future glory, God's sovereignty, right? So all these like big theological topics, right? Like sovereignty versus free will. So he's wrestling through all of these things for these 11 chapters. And then we get to chapter 12. At the end of chapter 11, he says, he's talking about Christ. And he says, for him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Okay, so he sort of finishes what he's saying and then he says, therefore. So we've got 11 chapters of, of truth and reason. He says, okay, because of all of this, therefore, I want you to do this. Right? So he switches here from grounds to exhortation. So because of all these truths of the gospel that I've just told you, therefore, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Right? So all of, all of this has been built up for this moment where Paul is saying, Okay, because of all this truth, because of all these things, now I want you to give your life as a living sacrifice. Now I want you to live this way. Another place we see this is actually uh, the, the book of Ephesians. So in the book of Ephesians, it's six chapters, and the first three chapters are very similar. So we've got um, him talking about grace through faith, the mystery of the gospel, um, all these different big aspects of theology. And then we get to chapter 4, and it switches the tone a little bit. He says, I, therefore, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So, therefore, so because he's gone through all this stuff about the gospel and who God is and, and who you are, he said, now, now go walk in this way, right? And so we see this, this really, these two complementary gifts of the, the speaking and teaching of truth, and then, okay, now let's go live it out. Let's go do something with that truth. And so to exhort is a call to action. I think uh, we see this in the book of James, where James, I think he really is, like that's, that's more his gift, right? Less so maybe the gift of, of teaching or prophecy. For him, exhortation is what he's focused on. So unlike Paul, who spends chapters and chapters on all these deep theological issues, 
James gets right into it. He's like, you know what? Faith, faith is great, but like faith without works is dead. You got to do something. You got you to get out and, and get, get moving, right? You got to take all this truth you know, and you got to put it into practice. And so James is, is most concerned with everyday living, right? The, the putting into practice, the living out of these spiritual truths. And so you see, that's, I think in many ways, that's more James's gift, right? Is to ex- exhortation. Okay, let's, let's live this way, guys. Come on, I'll do it with you, right? And so we see that exhortation is this call to action. Just like in that video, if William Wallace, he, he comes along and they're terrified and he speaks into them and he, he gives them courage, right? He, he reminds them, hey, you know, this, your life is temporary. Like, you're going to die someday. We're all going to die. But how do you want to die? How do you want to look back on your life? Right? He's reminding them of these great things. That, like, what, what is your life worth? And he's calling them to this higher calling. So, yeah, you can go back and, and just live out your days and be subjugated and, you know, you'll die old and, and, you know, not have accomplished much. Or you could go right now and risk death now, but for this much greater cause. Right? And so they're seeing, wow, like, maybe there is something that is worth laying down my life for. He's giving them this, this courage, inspiring them. And at the end, they're, they're, they're chanting uh, in Gaelic, Scotland forever, Scotland forever. Right? So they're, they're, he's instilled in them this, this passion, this courage to go out and face what is most certainly sudden death for most of them. They're not going to last very long out on the battlefield. But imagine if he had done all of that, and then they felt better, they had this truth, like, wow, yeah, I think it's, it's worth dying now as opposed to, to going back home and, and living for a while. And then they just stood there and didn't do anything. Like, they had the knowledge, they felt better, they felt excited, encouraged, and then nothing happened, right? Like, he's calling them, he's like, no, right now, we got to go fight right now. Right now, in this moment, we're going to go against all odds. And so he's calling them to action, now, what does this gift look like? I think Paul gives us a great image of this in Thessalonians. Uh, he says to them, he says, we urge you, brothers, so that same word there, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm appealing to you, I'm ur- urging you to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. I think this is a great little snapshot of different aspects of this gift and different ways in which it's played out. So one of the ways encouragement is actually recognizing that people... People are idle. They need to move. They need to put this into practice. And so admonishment is, is sort of a warning, right? It's, it's not just uh, positive all the time, and in some ways it, it is. Um, and I think the way that the encourager does this well is by painting a, a positive picture and saying, hey, look, right now you're idle. Look what this could be like if you were in action. Look how much better this would be, right? So it's not just like, oh, you've got to get it together because you're a mess. No, look, look at what life could look like, right? Like, look what freedom could look like instead of being enslaved. Right? He's, he's calling them to something else, but by calling out their, their idleness, um, encouraging the faint-hearted, those who are, they're discouraged. They've been doing it for a while, and, and they're tired, right? And he's saying, no, come on. We got to keep going. We got to keep moving, and then helping the weak, coming alongside those people, right? The calling alongside. It's like, let me do it with you. Yeah, this is hard. You're right. Let's, let's do it together. Let me help you. And so these are a few different ways in which 
I think this gift plays out. But the warning here that Paul gives is be patient with them all. Right? So the tendency here, if you're, if you're one of these people and you're like, I just, I just, I'm tired of talking about stuff. Let's go do something. Right? Like, okay, we've heard all this stuff. Let's get out on the streets. Let's go help people. Let's go do something. We tend to get impatient with those who don't want to go do something. But this move towards maturity, this encouragement, sometimes takes a long time. And we're all at different stages in this. And so sometimes the person who's encouraging, maybe they're a little further along, right? And they're like, come on, I, I figured this out. I know, I know we've got to be out on the streets. I know we've got to be serving on Sunday morning. I know we've got to be doing all these things. Why aren't you doing stuff? Why are you just sitting in your chair? And we have this tendency to get impatient with those who maybe not have this gift. And so Paul's warning is, yeah, we need, we need that. We need to be admonished. We need to be encouraged. But let's do it patiently. And so one of the aspects of this and why all of these gifts are tied into the fruits of the Spirit, right? That if God is giving us grace to do these gifts, he's also giving us grace in how we do them, the manner we do them. And so that this exhortation needs to be done in love and in grace with patience, to patiently come alongside people and, and to call them to something greater than where they're at now. These people uh, are, are really their motivators, right? So they know how to get people moving. But part of the way they do that is they have a perceptivity, right? They're able to, to really see where people are at, to know what drives this person, right? Like what's going to get this person most excited? And then to push on that button to get them there. So that, that person then wants to go do this, right? It's not, I'm going to twist your arm, like, you should be a better Christian, and I'm going to twist your arm about it. It's getting them to see, dude, look how much better life would be if you were more in love with Jesus. Like, look at how much stronger your faith would be if you were in the Word every day. Look at, look at what this would be like. And then that person's like, wow, I want that. I want to be like that, right? And so they're able to really get into the heart of where people are at and what they're longing for. But the danger of that, again, is, is the ability to abuse that gift and to manipulate, right? Because if you can see what people want most, and you can see right where they're at and where, where their heart is, then it's very easy to twist and manipulate that, to make them do what you want, to get them to go in the direction you want for them that may not be God's direction for them. And so this requires the Holy Spirit to give that humility and discernment, to come alongside people with humility, to, to realize that people aren't all going to be there yet, and to ask your motivations. What is, what is my motivation encouraging this person in this direction? Is it because it's going to benefit me, or because it's going to make them look more like Jesus? And so those are some of the strengths and the weaknesses of the gift of exhortation. And why do we need this? Well, because we are most very often discouraged. Because life really is hard. Paul likens the Christian life to a race, right? Like, I don't know how many of you are runners. Um, I'm not actually, really. <laughs> but you're, but you're, it's, it's a long haul, right? You're going and you're going, and most of the time you can't see the finish line. And the most time it's like one foot after another. One foot after another. For me, I, I experienced this most uh, when I was in high school. I, I tested my black belt. Most of you don't know, I have a black belt. 
Uh, but we were, so I was in high school, and we were taking this test, and for any of you who have done this, it was a three-plus-hour grueling physical test. I mean, it was, we, we had to do everything we learned over the last eight years, every form, technique, everything. And then when we weren't doing something, we were doing push-ups or wall sits or crunches. Like, they were, they were constantly pushing us to our physical, mental limits. And we were exhausted, right? So then we get three hours in, and the last thing we have to do is fight all of the judges, starting from the lowest rank to the highest rank. And there's eight of these guys, okay? Men, men and women, all way better and way more experienced than any of us, stronger, faster. We, we wouldn't have a chance on them in our best day, let alone after three hours of physical, mental exertion. So, you know, we go up, go up against each of these guys, and the first couple guys, you're throwing a few punches back, you're moving around a little bit. By the time you get to the last judge, you're just like, don't hit me, don't hit me, don't hit me. Like, just trying to keep your hands up. And my hands had never felt so heavy before. <laughs> but you're just trying to get through one moment after moment. I tell you, I don't think I could have survived that time. I don't think I could have pushed through to the end if my family wasn't sitting right behind me that whole time. Right? They were right behind me the whole time, saying, yeah, you got this. Keep going. Right? We love you. We're proud of you. Keep moving. Keep pushing forward. You've trained for this. And then the three other people I was testing with were three of my best friends that I've been doing this with for that seven or eight years. And so together, we were, we were running together, pushing through this, this marathon together. But a lot of times it feels like we're, you know, we're coming up to Heartbreak Hill. Those of you who have watched the Boston Marathon or, or I don't know, maybe a few of you crazy people have run it. Um, but you get, it's 20.5 miles in, and you get to the hardest part of the race, right? Because at least what I'm told, this is when your body starts switching over its fuel reserves, and you're, you're going up this long hill, and at this point, you're, you're almost there, but you're not quite there. And, and it's, that's when people most want to just give up. But all along that hill are people with signs, cups of water, standing there, saying, go, 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 cheering them on, waving signs, you can do this, you're not that far, keep going, drink some water, like, your body needs this, and pushing them on to get through. And without that encouragement, I don't, I don't know how many people could, could go those last few miles. But that's so often what it feels like in the Christian life. In Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, or in doing well, for in due time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But the implication there is that we want to give up, right? That doing good is wearying. It's exhausting. It's hard. Day after day, and I don't even know how you, if you those of you who have kids, do it. You just, you just keep doing it one day after another. And we're called to daily present our bodies as a living sacrifice, every day, to, in Ephesians, to walk in the manner worthy of your calling, right? This is something that, like, every day, every moment, you're choosing to step into this place, and it's exhausting. It's wearying, and it's so much easier to just go with the flow or just show up on Sunday morning, and, okay, I'm just going to take in some more information, and, you know, if it's a really good day, maybe I'll take some notes, and then I'm going to go home and not even think about it, because... I just can't. There's too much going on in my, in my life right now. And so we need help. We need encouragement. We need people to speak into our lives and remind us that 
it is worth it. And ultimately, God gives us this help. We see this uh, in John 14, 6. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Right? So Jesus is like, I'm, I'm here helping you now, but God's going to give you another helper who's going to be with you forever. And you know what that, that word for helper is? Maybe you, some of you may know this, but it's the word paraclete. It literally comes from that word, parakalo. That the, this, the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside us and encourages and comforts and admonishes and urges us to keep going. And so we actually have the Spirit of God inside of us to encourage us and sustain us in this way. And so this, this is something that God himself says, this is so important, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one to come alongside you and call you and encourage you. But so often we maybe tune out the voice of the Holy Spirit or we, we aren't paying attention or life is just too busy. And so God has also, by his Spirit, equipped us to do this for one another. Because we need each other to encourage and remind us of these same truths. Paul writes about, there's a few different uh, places where we're encouraged through this. In 1 Thessalonians, he says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Uh, The author of Hebrews says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. So that's every day. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So he's saying there's this temptation that over time, we're going to be hardened to our sin, right? We're going to become comfortable or complacent with our sin. And we need someone to come alongside of us and paint for us again this picture of what the Christian life looks like, of what the end goal is, to say that it's worth pushing on and to encourage us to keep trying. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, he says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the same image he gives us here of of a body with different gifts, different abilities, all working together. And he says that we need to be speaking the truth in love so the whole body would grow up, that every one of us needs this kind of encouragement in order to keep growing. And the point here is that this, this call to action is ultimately a call to maturity. That we're called, and the reason that this is such a long race is because to be like Christ is something we're not going to fully achieve in this lifetime. And that we're going to continually fail at that again and again, day after day. And it's going to be discouraging. And so we need people to continue encouraging us, keep going, be like Jesus, let me come alongside you, and we'll do this together. When you get afraid to to face tomorrow, I'm going to be there to encourage you and to remind you of the grace that you've received, the love that God has for you, the new life that you have. I'm going to keep speaking that gospel truth into you so that you can keep stepping step after step. One of the people who I've seen... uh, I think most clearly in my, in my life embody this or example this. Uh, for those of you who know Tracy Connor, who just without even trying was always an encourager. Just her default was to just speak encouragement into people's lives. And 
<laughs> one of the ways I saw this was she actually taught an, an insane body challenge class at UMass. I don't know if any of you have ever done something like this, but it was, I don't know, it was like rivaling the black belt test thing. I mean, this was like an hour of just totally overwhelming, exhausting physical intensity. And I was in pretty good shape, and I couldn't do it. I could not do it. But she's up there the whole time doing it with us as the teacher. And come on, you guys, come on, one more, one more, you know, just pumping us up the whole time. And you're like, maybe I can do one more. I don't know, like, let's try it. And he just wanted to keep going because she was always pushing and encouraging. And even here in, in church, I remember, I love when uh, I was preaching and Tracy would be here and, you know, you're getting affirmative throughout the whole sermon, right? She's like, yeah, yeah. And she's responding and, and giving you encouragement. So I'm, I'm up here and I'm like, yeah, this is good. This is the word of God. I want to keep preaching, even though I, maybe I feel discouraged right now, or maybe I'm not sure about what I wrote or something. She's like, yeah, that's good, that's good. And you're like, yeah, I want to keep going. And so this, for those of you who knew her, you ex experienced this kind of, just constantly, her, her automatic default was to speak encouragement into people's lives. And so after experiencing that and having her friendship for a number of years, I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be the kind of person that is intentional about speaking encouragement into people's lives. What does that look like? How can I do that? And I'm not by any means, you know, have achieved that, but a lot of times it just started out really simple, right? Like, hey, I really like the way you did your hair today, or, you know, those are really good shoes, right? Like, something really superficial, but that was something I was like, okay, I can, I can say that. Like, it's comfortable and not too awkward, but then it, as it develops and you, you gain some perceptivity and you feel more comfortable, you start, you say, you know, I noticed you were doing the coffee this morning, and I just want to tell you how grateful I am that you're doing that, right? And Tommy had you guys do an exercise up here, say, you know, do you know who's at the sound booth right now, right? Do you know, do you know who cut the muffins this morning? I probably, maybe not. But you can be an encourager by looking for those people and saying, hey, I see what you're doing. I see the work that you're putting in. I see the way that you're serving and the way you're sacrificing. I want to encourage you, keep doing that. And hey, do you need help? Because I'll come alongside you. I know it's hard going on unnoticed week after week, but you know, I notice that. I see you, and I want to encourage you. And that's just one tiny little thing that, you, that we could be doing each week for one another. But I think we experience this in all aspects of our lives. I mean, how many of us have had... Uh, a, a good boss versus a bad boss, right? Like the bad boss is always super critical, like, oh, here's all the things you did wrong, and you, you do your best work, and they're like, oh, here's all the little minute details that are incorrect, right? And you're like, man, I, I just feel discouraged. It's like no matter how hard I try, it's never good enough. And then you have the, the boss who's like, hey, I think you did a great job, and you put a lot of work into this, and here, here's some things we could work on, right? Like here's some ways we could make this better, and we could use your talents even better. And like, let's work on that together, okay? But I, I see the work you're doing, and I appreciate it. Like, how does that make you feel, right? Doesn't that make you want to go to work the next day? Like, yeah, I'm going to go do it again tomorrow. I'm going to go work hard again tomorrow because someone sees and recognizes the work that I'm doing. And so we all need people like this in our lives, here in the church especially, but even as we go out, that we can be encouragers in the lives of all the people around us. And people will notice that difference. Right? They'll notice when you make them feel comforted and you make them feel encouraged. That's going to that's gonna totally change their day. It's going to totally change their week. It could 
who knows what have what kind of effect on their life. And they're going to notice that difference. Say, wow, you're, you're, always so, you're always so nice and encouraging, right? Like, you're always saying these things to me that just really brings out who I am. And I, I want to be better at who I am because of you in my life, right? Like, that's what the gift of encouragement and exhortation does for people. And so, as we start to walk in this, each and every one of us, and we start with, maybe start with something superficial or simple, right, if that's what's comfortable, but then have this be an area of maturity that we learn to walk in, to look at our brothers and sisters, to see who God has made them to be, to see the gifts in their lives, to see the way that God is calling them, and then speak that into their lives. Say, hey, I, I see you have this gift, and I want to encourage you to use it. Hey, I see God is calling you to do this. I want you to go for it. I, want, I think you can do this. God is going to empower you to do this. You should do this, right? Like being able to see where people are at and speak into that. And then being patient with them. For those of us who, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you're further along than somebody that you're, you're with and thinking, why, why don't they get it yet? Why haven't they figured this out? Why can't they just put this into practice? Right? Like having patience. Say, so, you know, that's, it's a long marathon. It's a long race. And sometimes it's just one day at a time. And maybe right now, they just need you to come alongside them so they can get through tomorrow. And that's okay. Let's start with tomorrow. But let's be people who, who call alongside others around us to encourage them into Christ-likeness. And so, on the grounds of the gospel, that you have received an immeasurable grace, that in, even though you are in a state of rebellion against God, that you have chosen to sin against him and have a condition of sin in your life, that he loved you so much that he sent his son to take all of that wrath, all of that punishment, all of your sin onto himself and to die in your behalf. To be crucified on a cross. And then has risen again in victory, defeating death and sin. Having now totally ruling as king over all the universe. Because of that, therefore, we say with the author of Hebrews, let us hold fast the confession of our faith, confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the reason that we come to this table every week, because we need courage. We need to be reminded that we have a Savior who died on our behalf. We have a Savior who came as our helper, our encourager, to be with us, who said, I will be with you always to the end of the age. But he didn't just say that or, or talk about it. He, he put that into action. He took his body and let it be broken on the cross. Just as he took the cup with his disciples, he said, this is my blood, that's going to be poured out for you. I'm going to live this out, this truth, that I love you 
and I'm going to prove it by dying for you. And so we come to remember that as we come to the table, so that we would be encouraged, so that we can go out and face another day this week, so that we can be people who bring this truth to encourage others. So as you're here this morning, if you've received that truth, you've received that gospel, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit who is your paraclete, then I invite you up this morning to come and be encouraged, to come and take, receive the bread from one another as we encourage each other, to take the cup and take in this reality. And if you're here this morning and you've never received that, I encourage you right now to, to remain in your seats and, and think about it, prayerfully consider, like, do I have this kind of courage? Do I have, do I know this God who is my comforter, who is with me? Do you ha- have you experienced and received that grace? And I invite you this morning to, to receive that, but just to remain at your seats and pray through that right now. And, and I would love to talk to you afterwards or invite you to come talk to anyone else in the room who you know is a Christian and ask them, what is it like to experience that grace? So right now I'm going to pray and then invite up communion servers. God, thank you that you are our encourager and our comforter. That you come alongside us, God, in the midst of just our constant struggles, God, as today feels tough and tomorrow seems even tougher, Lord, but you are there with us, God, and you are constantly reminding us that the end is, the end is in sight and that it's going to be worth it, Lord. I pray this morning that we would just receive that spirit of encouragement, God, and just know that you are with us. I pray that we would go out this week and be people who encourage one another. So we pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.